Microphone check, one, two, what is this? It's the five foot seven assassin in the podcast business, and we're back with another episode of QLC TV. My name is Rohan, and I'm the host of this lovely show where I aim to give you authentic insight into the world of music, which will be a primary focus as it's my absolute utmost passion in the world. I just love music. I'll also be talking about politics, culture, sports as well as personal topics related to growing into adulthood. As all of this is delivered from the perspective of a 25-year-old Indian man living in Canada, trying to make sense of not only myself, but of the world. So all in all, I thank you so much for listening and taking part in this creative journey that I'm embarking on with QLC TV. And I just hope that this platform will not only give myself, but give those listening something nice to look forward to when they wake up in the morning because if i achieved that then i've succeeded thank you in advance for bearing with me when it comes to some of the audio quality and some of the editing as i've explained throughout the first four episodes i didn't want to let not having a proper mic and all of the editing skills come in the way of actually starting this thing so thank you for bearing with me and note that from episode five moving forward I have a good mic, so all of the audio quality should be consistent from there on. So thank you again, and enjoy the show. Here we have episode 5, where I'll be talking about Boldy James's new record with Sterling Tolls, Manger on McNichols. And then I'm going to speak on what will inevitably be quite an old topic in the age of social media and how fast things, things move, but... I want to speak on the whole J. Cole no-name rap beef or discourse beef, whatever you want to call it, uh, as they traded songs, J. Cole dropped Snow on the Bluff, and No Name responded with song 33. And I want to just talk about the whole idea of critiquing how someone addresses a political topic, how they communicate their... Uh, discontentment, how people try to spread a message uh, of change and of trying to shift people's behaviors, the whole idea of trying to decide or comment on if there's a better, better way, I think is a really interesting topic. It's something that I definitely have an opinion on, but I also want to analyze that from the lens of someone that could be the direct uh, recipient of this hurt of this oppression of this discrimination and also as a person uh, who's an outsider who doesn't have that direct linkage and discuss what the difference from those two viewpoints may be so that we can get to the crux of the issue and analyze all this discourse with the proper context and nuance in mind so i'll start with this boldy james record so boldy james has been having a quite a 2020 for him he released the Price and Tea in China with The Alchemist, which got him a whole lot of acclaim. It landed on my top 20 albums of the mid-year, but admittedly it was on the lower end, and I think it'll jump a few spots if I were to record it uh, as of August 3rd, 2020, because 
it really is a good record. My overall critiques and comments of it are still the same, however. Um, but I still wanted to mention that because it's really grown on me over the past couple of weeks. But yeah, so he's released that album three, four months back now. And out of nowhere, he's seemingly released another record with Sterling Tolls, who's a kind of eccentric jazz artist that helms from his hometown in Detroit. And they got together and really started recording this album, believe it or not, in 2007. So this album is 13 whole years in the making. Now, the backstory to how this album really came to be was that Boldy James, very early on in his career, linked up with Sterling Tolls as they're both from the same city. And they had a good relationship. Boldy recorded, the, like I would say, 80% of the verses that you hear on this album were recorded between 2007 and 2010. And from there, Boldy just got into other endeavors and Sterling never released the record. And But he was com continuing to work on it little by little over the past 13 years since they first uh, linked up. And then finally, he finished the record. Boldy linked up with him recently. Uh, we don't know the exact timing, but let's just say within the last two years. And re-recorded some verses and added a couple extra verses while Sterling really took the, the musicianship to a whole nother level, adding layers and upon layers of different kind of jazz instrumentation, uh, orchestrating it all like a real maestro. And you can see that level of detail of something being toiled over for years upon years. You can see that effort and that attention to detail in every single beat on this project. And as for Boldy's performance, it's really overall the exact kind of album that I was hoping Boldy would make. On Manger and McNichols, his steadfast delivery still is there and it serves as a great foundation amidst all the constantly evolving jazz soundscapes that Sterling Tolls laced throughout this entire project. But in terms of the subject matter, that's where Boldy really showed some growth. And reading an article with Sterling Tolls that uh, dug into the inception of this album, he details how he often pushed Boldy to be more personal. And you can really see that influence come through in almost all of these songs. His raps here are more introspective because they touch on uh, some more sentimental and personal uh, topics that I've never heard him rap about before. And although he touched upon important substantive stories on his previous album, it never I never really got the feeling that it was centered around him personally. I felt that although the the, the tales of the street life, of poverty, of just trying to get by and all those precarious conditions that he was in previously in his life, although they were important, it was something that I feel like could have applied to any poor black uh, male in the streets where he was living in. It never felt incredibly personalized to Boldy himself, but on this project, he actually centers the narrative around him personally, 
and and for that reason it really makes me connect with him on a new level on one of the arguably the most emotional track on the on the whole album and the emotional centerpiece of the project titled mommy dearest boldy delivers such a gut-wrenching tale of his relationship with his mother and about how he in the chorus puts it really bluntly and samples a, a famous biggie line that he thinks his mama wished he would have had that abortion and never had him and it's all of what he's saying is so real it's it really hits hard emotionally and it all gets further accentuated by these absolutely gorgeous arrangements that sterling put together in the instrumental at different points in the song there are these solemn cellos that play there's also these like funeral like horns that play at one point the beat is constantly changing between verses uh, it mixes in this kind of radio interview of some sort that uh, Boldy's having, where he's kind of like talking about the the record well before it actually was released. And it mixes in really nicely, and it gives this really eerie atmosphere for where it leads into the final leg of the tr- of the track, where he finishes the chorus, because previously the chorus always ends before he finishes the line, but then at the end of the track, he actually finishes the line and said... He wishes, she wishes, she wishes, she wishes she would have had that abortion. And it really, really resonated with me. It's easily Boldy's most powerful record he's ever made. And it's definitely one of my favorite songs of 2020. And that kind of emotional potency doesn't just end there. On middle of next month, Boldy again goes into very personal stories about his father and the impact that he had on his life and all of the trials and tribulations that he went on in his life in a really captivating kind of way the chorus i love it where it's basically like a running thread it's like tell your mama and your pa happy father's day happy mother's day happy kwanzaa tell them all this before i blow your brains out it's just catchy. He says it with such such menacing calmness, which is something that Boldy embodies in his flow and his cadence nonstop, and it just comes off really well and really pops. So that kind of grittiness and emotion doesn't end there, like I mentioned. And on the final track with a great feature from this artist I've never heard of called Louis P. Newton. And Louis starts the track by basically discussing the conditions and the situation in which he got incarcerated. And he says it with almost like a spoken word flow. And he says it with such a sober account of how it must have felt and how it did feel for him. Uh, Seeing his freedom get taken away and just the imagery of being shackled up in a bus with a bunch of strangers uh getting into it with a a bunch of lifers that are in the prison clicking up with some demons by basically i i get the impression it just means uh having to make some alliances with some some pretty nasty people in prison because it's necessary right to stay alive and then it leads into boldy 
who talks very similar subject matter about prison and that whole idea of having your life and your freedom taken away within a system that makes it very difficult to avoid in the first place. And then it ends with Louis uh, jumping on the track again and talking about the feeling of when you're actually released from prison. And that's something I've honestly never really heard much of in a rap song before. And just, again, the the sobering account of how that feels, the surreal feeling of seeing all these bright colors, all this nature that you were previously locked out from seeing for so many years. It ends the record on an incredible note. And again, throughout all of this track, there's many beat switches, beautiful vocal arrangements, choir-like arrangements that accentuate all of the stories and all of the the weight that is being that is behind all of the subjects that the rappers are talking about. And overall, I just I just really surprised me. Boldy was not a rapper that I expected to be able to do this. I, I honestly don't know enough of his catalog other than Price of Tea in China, like I mentioned, and a few spot features here and there. It, it, it really blew me away. It's a shame that it had to be released after I recorded the top 20 mid-year because it would definitely be very close to the top. The marriage between Sterling and Boldy worked out fantastically because musically it's more of a dynamic record compared to the price of tea in China and I think it works better for Boldy's style. Sterling's approach to creating beats for Boldy I think works better because it addresses one of the main critiques that I had on Price of Tea in China, whereas the per where the production was still good, was actually very good in fact, but it kept kind of to the same note. It was all pretty low-key and dark and grimy, but I think given Boldy's steady, monotonous flow, it could have used more variety. It could have used more tracks like Surf and Turf with Vince Staples, which is easily one of my favorite tracks on the on the whole album. Uh, so on this new project, uh, Mangaron McNichols, Sterling really, really addressed that my main concern from that previous project on this on this record because the the tracks are just ever flowing psychedelic, jazz infused instrumentals that unlike the previous album, really ebb and flow nicely. It's not all mid-tempo. It's, it's sometimes on a track like Birth of Bold, it actually goes into this really fast-paced uh, beat. I don't really know what's going on. It just is a beat switch at the end. And that just really threw me off at first. I honestly didn't even like it at first, but really grew on me. And again, just puts Boldy in a different context, in a different light where he's having to rap a little faster. So Sterling's approach serves to actually add something new and push Boldy to rap in different ways, or at least it, it serves to just add a lot of different changing pieces in the background as Boldy keeps that steady flow that he's known for. Mangaron McNichols, in conclusion, is really a creative statement that I didn't know Boldy was capable of giving. But he did it. Sterling Tolls was a big part of that. And overall, I give this project on my Roeview certified rating scale an 
4 out of 10. It's fantastic and would easily be in my top 5 of the mid-year. So now I want to transition to the other topic I wanted to talk about today, which is the whole J. Cole and No Name situation. So for the context, for those who are not aware, No Name is a rapper but is an inactive rapper as she very famously stated that she no longer wants to perform for her primarily white audiences that she's been performing on tour for the better part of her career which started mainly in 2016. So she doesn't want to do that anymore. She feels uncomfortable as a black woman to do that. And instead, she's kind of transitioned to focusing on being an activist. And she started an incredibly successful book club, uh, which is really a great initiative. It obviously circulates books from primarily black authors that is heavily into very radical black liberation type literature and movements. So overall, she's really educated herself. She's she's really on the, the forefront of that whole movement. So fast forward to mid-June, Jake, uh, not Jake Holt, No Name tweets out something along the lines of, it's crazy how rappers or artists make their whole career talking about black plight yet they can't even send out a tweet for all the protests that were happening in the states and are still are happening as it relates to Black Lives Matter, police brutality. So J. Cole, unbeknownst to, to many of us, took that tweet personally. And it very well could have been a subtweet directed at a rapper like J. Cole. The other one that comes to mind is Kendrick Lamar. Uh, but J. Cole took that personally. He released a track called Snow on the Bluff which is a track that basically, without saying her name, directly addresses No Name personally, where Cole goes on to say that he sees this very smart, educated black woman on Twitter who is much smarter than him, which he makes clear, and states that something about her tone, and her tone specifically, that's his words, bothers him. He goes on to say that, in a nutshell, he feels like the activist folks and the super woke people who are very educated on, on topics of racism, for example, he feels like they talk down to people like J. Cole. And what I find interesting right from the get-go is that who is this song being delivered by? It's being delivered by J. Cole, an artist who is not typically associated with the ignorant uh the ignorant rapping just about money materialism j cole was a rapper that was supposed to be emotionally intelligent intelligent in terms of understanding how the world works although he didn't really again talk about it in the same way that a rapper like kendrick did in the same level of detail and analysis he still included that stuff in his music so Right off the bat, J. Cole kind of trying to downplay his own intelligence. In a way, it actually goes against how J. Cole is portrayed in the media and in the overall culture of, of hip-hop. He is usually associated with the very intelligent, 
woke activist conscious side of of hip-hop so it was a bit strange that j cole positioned himself like that in the song moving on into the rest of the song his main point was that he believed people like him and uh, so people who are more less educated on topics but are still black and are people that should be brought along on this journey to liberation he believes that people like no name and other activists need to treat himself and treat those folks like him with more respect and be less condescending and offer to educate versus attack belittle and things like that it's important to note though that at the end of the track and i think this is something that people do miss when they've talked about this song is that at the end he does acknowledge that his critique and his gripe really is stemming from his own guilt of feeling that he's not doing enough for his people and for the movement so that's a key disclaimer to put in mind because it shows that cole isn't fully saying it with his chest that he sees this problem of people talking to folks like him with this uh condescension with this specific tone he acknowledges that maybe how he's receiving these messages from folks like no name the way he's receiving it could be and is influenced by his own guilt so in a way he's kind of putting a qualifier to and makes it a bit ambiguous as to how much he actually feels like this is a problem but on that note on twitter after this song blew up he made it clear that he stood by everything that he said in the song and that he he wishes no, nothing but love for no name and hopes that everybody follows her so that makes it clear that it isn't like he fully takes back everything that he said uh for the majority of the song just because of that last admission of his guilt but i do think that colors his commentary a bit and makes it clear that he isn't just black and white saying that hey people like no name you guys are doing something wrong and it, it's hurtful i think what he's saying is that hey you guys should consider doing something differently because it would work better to get the point across to people like me but i'm acknowledging at the same time that some of that discontentment i have with the way people like no name speak to people like like me and me being j cole in this position is influenced greatly by the fact that i just also feel guilty so i think there's a he's he's not making it super black and white but that's important to know okay so now how do i feel about this whole thing well we first need to take a step back and think about when this song was released so it was released mid-june at the heat of the black lives matter protests in america and honestly in the whole world everybody was was getting in on this uh and that was really great to see and so he decided to deliver this track in the midst of all of that so the first critique that you often see online about this and against j cole is that why would you take this time specifically to address another black woman who is clearly trying to uh, support the movement and trying to do positive things. Whether you 
think the tactics are, are less good, whatever. That's not the point. It's clear that that is her intention and that can't be debated. So the idea of taking that precious space, especially given how big J. Cole's voice and influence is, I have to agree that the timing of this just did not did not make sense. But that being said, uh, I do understand that at the same time, this is where the discourse was at its peak. So if he does have a problem with how people are talking amongst each other, again, very clearly, and I need to clarify, this is within the black community only. This song was never supposed to be from a white observer's perspective. So I just want to make that clear. But obviously this this discourse was happening within the black community. And I understand, again, why he may think this is important. But just the timing of it, you could have posted some donation links. You could have just po posted some general kind of support for the movement. And so I, I just don't think the timing made sense. The optics of it alone just came off a bit sour. And now moving on to his main gripe of the actual song, which is like no name and people like her, the tone, the the way people talk to each other. I honestly really don't know how to feel. You know, taking it from the perspective of another black person, J. Cole in this case, when it comes to this whole black liberation movement, black lives, La black lives matter movement, from his perspective, I can see where he's coming from, but where I don't, where he loses me basically is that it's not no names or anybody else that is blacks duty or responsibility to educate you first and foremost. So when J. Cole goes on to talk about like saying things along the lines of Queen, why don't you just try to educate us? Uh, and help us get up to speed. Uh, people are like children. I like to treat people like children and, and, and kind of let them grow like a plant or something like that. I, I just really don't get, one, this is No Name who is a, a freaking book club. So she's literally actively trying to educate people in the most substantive, substantive way I can think of. But more importantly, and at the crux of the issue here, is that if you are in a position where you're receiving this kind of, I guess you can say spirited messaging from someone like No Name, who, where she's calling people out, not being super soft about soft with the language, or making it clear that if you uh, agree with this, you are against the movement, you are not helping and things like that, Things that people could take personally, like saying, hey, I'm J. Cole, I do care about black lives, but you're telling me that because I don't actively attack uh, capitalism or because I do not talk about LGBTQ issues when I talk about black liberation, that I'm a, I'm a white supremacist. Now, you can discuss if the language is inflammatory, but I think when you get down that rabbit hole, you're missing the entire point. Who cares? Full stop. Who cares? If you are a person who feels like they can't properly receive a message from a direct member of a community that is being marginalized and oppressed, 
simply because you don't like their tone or you feel like the way in which they're talking to you, they're making you feel dumb for not knowing something or they're yelling or they just are coming off very angry and hostile with you. All I can say to that is that you are in fact the person that is lacking empathy and understanding for one another, not the person who is talking to you in a way or a tone that you don't like. You, J. Cole, and other folks like him are the people who are lacking the patience in which you are accusing people like No Name and activists like her for not having. It's actually you who are not having, who are not displaying this level of patience and understanding. Because very simply, No Name is hurting, just like her people. She is hurting and she's expressing to you that authentic emotion and care because this matters to her. So keeping that in mind, obviously no one likes to be yelled at, no one likes to be felt stupid, but that should always take a backseat to the substance in, in what, to what someone is actually saying. So J. Cole critiquing the tone of, of No Name is, is, it's a very vapid kind of argument. Now, if J. Cole was actually a fellow activist that was as educated as No Name, or attempted to be at least, because he made it clear he is clearly not someone who reads enough, uh, as he mentioned in his Twitter, he does not read enough, but he thinks. So, just saying, that's what he said. So, as a person like J. Cole, who isn't in, who does not put in the same effort as a No Name, you even have less of a standing to talk to someone like No Name, who is clearly actively trying to better herself, educate others, and learn more. I think the argument that her tone could be better, and that's kind of a, a real point of discussion and critique, it is, it is quite insulting, and I can understand how people like No Name felt that way. So all of that is from the point of view of J. Cole, who's another black man speaking to No Name. But the discourse that I've seen and that I've engaged in as a person who is not black and from people who are also not black as well, it's, it, it, it's, it's what I said just now, but tenfold. Meaning that our place in this discussion as people who are not black is simply not the same and it makes a lot of sense. Because all of the ideas I'm talking about, about how J. Cole is lacking the empathy and the understanding of still a fellow black person's uh, feelings and emotions, that idea is further important and clear when you are not even a black person trying to address the tone or of how uh, someone of a marginalized community uh, directs at you when they're talking about issues that impact them and certainly do not impact you in the same way or at all. I feel like in that position, I feel like the role of that outsider, quote unquote, is really just to listen and to try to empathize with the pain and the suffering that that person is expressing. And instead, maybe channel that energy and care that you have for someone like No Name's tone because you think it's detrimental or counterproductive to promoting a message of equality and uh, 
ending racism and all these great things, maybe channel that energy and actively try to make changes in your own life and confront your own biases and your own shortcomings within yourself and within your community and your friends and, and make a change that way. We aren't talking about here how to help someone learn math and if someone doesn't understand the math theory that you're teaching them and they start yelling at you and they start making you feel dumb, this isn't what we're talking about because in that case, yeah, maybe they should talk to you a little differently uh, and there shouldn't be any emotional hurt that someone should necessarily feel by someone not understanding how to do math properly. But here is a no-name who is talking about ideas that directly impact herself as a woman, as a black woman, and her people overall, that directly impacts their existence and their rights. So although the discussion and what J. Cole says doesn't directly address this point, uh, when we're talking about all of these topics, it, it relates to that whole idea of canceling someone and all that. And again, it's really hilarious that J. Cole picked No Name in this song and what led to all of this discussion. Because believe it or not, No Name wasn't like she was today two years ago. Uh, and I think it was about late 2018, she tweeted something about how black capitalism is a, uh, still a good thing and she doesn't understand why people have a problem with it, Because, which shows that at the time, uh, she wasn't fully anti-capitalist as she clearly is now. And she got dragged on Twitter. Everybody was like, there was a mix of people actually getting angry, being like, I'm so disappointed in you. How could you be so ignorant and say something so dumb? And then other people were like, hey, you know, this is really disappointing. You really got to do your research and educate yourself before you come off so so ignorant and stupid. Like, people got really after her because her fan base is very much the types of people that would be vehemently anti-capitalist. It's all in her music and, and all that. That's the type of crowd she attracts. And instead of No Name obfuscating the issue and deflecting to saying, hey, you guys are attacking me for not knowing or recognizing a concept that's uh, quite complex, instead of just whining about it, for lack of a better word, she actually did the research. She learned. She educated herself. She didn't have a crybaby fit because people were yelling her at her electronically through the internet. She didn't let that uh, tone let her off the hook. And I think that's what bothers me personally about these kinds of discussions when I hear people say, like, um, there's just the way that that person who is objectively right is saying something, at least objectively right in my opinion, of course, uh, even though what they're saying is right, I just don't like the way they're doing it. Why do they have to be so mean about it? It's like, again, if the topic is important, it affects people's lives, Emotion and passion are par for the course, and it's sociopathic to not expect that. And y once again, you focusing on that and not what they're actually saying is the problem. It is showing your lack of empathy and your lack of understanding and patience, which is often, again, the remark that they these folks put on the people who are being angry and having a mean tone. So I feel like as long as 
the message is true, the tone can be whatever it is, but I do think it's important to let the person, give them the opportunity to, to learn, educate themselves, and come to the right side of the table. Obviously, there's exceptions. We're not talking about people who are pro-rape or something like that, something nuts like that. But taking no name as an example, people rightfully did not cancel her, quote-unquote, but people got after her and told her how she felt, told her they needed she needed to educate herself, and she did. And now, you know, she's on the right side of history in what in the, what these people's minds are. And I think that is discourse in 2020 working relatively well in 2020. People got after someone, called some bullshit out, and the recipient did not cry about it. They actually learned and educated themselves. Still, all that being said, I'm, I'm happy J. Cole released the song just because of the, the discussion, because I think a lot of people, including myself, uh, really were able to kind of analyze and think about this, uh, this subject a little more deeper and have good conversation. And I'm happy he, he jumped in front of the bullets for that. And I hope himself, he learns from this because I don't think J. Cole's a bad person. I don't think he's un unreconcilable that that's just a ridiculous statement to even entertain he's he's obviously has his heart in the right place in my opinion i just think he needs to work on this he needs to kind of do some more internal soul searching to to realize kind of the the error in his ways in my opinion oh i love hip-hop it's crazy that the genre that's uh vehemently attacked by uh the conservative folks the idiots like that as being my mindless ignorant music about nothing it's pretty funny how hip-hop music has consistently moved the conversation both politically and culturally hip-hop is so essential to even have to say it seems stupid it seems so obvious but i just wanted to take that uh take this time to say that because hip-hop is the greatest and this whole discussion that i've talked about for the last 20 minutes is exactly why thank you everybody for listening i really appreciate the support i love doing this and i can't wait to continue doing more of these episodes of qlc tv moving forward if you want to follow me support the podcast please subscribe on all the podcast channels that you use whether it be apple Podcasts, spotify and so on. Follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Roview. So that's R-O-H-V-I-E-W. And shoot me a comment, send me a DM, and feel free to suggest whatever topic you think I should cover, whether it be some political discussion, music, etc. Or if you just wanted to send me some feedback about something that you think I should improve on or consider changing as it relates to the show, I'm definitely all ears. I wanted to start this podcast to to help myself grow, help myself uh, express myself more efficiently, more concisely, more effectively. So I'm always open to anything that I should. I didn't want, whether it be about how I deliver the show or just to criticize some horrible take that I had. I'm all ears. And I'd like to extend an open invitation to anybody who's listening right now who would like to join me in a discussion on any topic of your liking just shoot me a dm post a comment and i would love to do that
because I want to connect with you guys who are listening as much as I can and foster a community. So thank you once again for listening. Peace. Thank you.